Alexander, the voice sounds a little raspy, a little rough. That's just the times that we're in right now, the month of January. But also the times where we power through because it's the playoffs, right? Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. Anyways, I'm joined, as always, by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, who is feeling a lot better than I am, which is good, so that you can carry the load on this pod because my voice, I got coffee, I got some hauls, I got some water. I got a lot of things to try to get me through, and I got a mute button to also try to get me through this pod, but we will make it because it is a divisional round. But first, my friend, how are you? How did let's, Super Wildcard Weekend treat you? I mean, let's let's be honest here, right? Like, you, it's not an illness. It's raspiness from yelling, Godwin, 450 times on Monday night. <laughs> as every every one of what Tom Brady's 66, 67 drop, you know, pass dropbacks had a little tinge of hope. Now, again, mm-hmm. a lot of those were from his own, what, 20-yard line, 15-yard line on third and long after running Leonard Fournette or Rashad White into the line on first and or second down. Uh, that being said, yeah, I can understand how you'd have a raspy voice there with screaming uh, Godwin at the top of your lungs, uh, especially late into Monday night. But uh, other than that, you know, other than our reference to the uh, the anytime touchdown parlay that uh, obviously had an outstanding go of it, four for its first four, um, didn't quite get to the fifth one. That would have just had us diving into gold doubloons like a young Scrooge McDuck. Um, I'm great, man. Like started off, you know, if you told me we were going to win that much money in the divisional round or the uh, wild card round, I would have said, I'm not really sure how we get there, but I'm into it. And now we're just kind of playing with house money for the rest of the, uh, the postseason here, which honestly is so, it's always so weird, right? You play one, one weekend of postseason football, and then you realize that the playoffs are half over six games down, <laughs> seven games to go. And yeah, it's kind of sad, but uh, we'll save that, those tears for a later day. Why'd you have to put it that way, man? Like the vibes were all the way up here. And then all of a sudden, like you, you got to like change the vibes and make me feel sad, man. Listen, less only get to do this a couple to, times. Less opportunity for us to screw this up. That's all that is. Fair enough, my dude. Fair enough. And you mentioned, you mentioned a winning weekend, a winning super wildcard weekend. I mean, all the props, all that stuff that I hope people by now, if you're listening to this pod, you're also following Matt on Twitter and following and reading the stuff at the score because that will get you some more winnings here on this pod. I went three and three on super wildcard weekend. I'll take a three and three week overall, bringing the overall total this season to 156, 111 and 10. I will take that. Um, It's been a long, long season. And at the end of the day, as you said, Hey, there's just not that much time for me to screw up this season at all. So I will definitely take that. But for people that might be unfamiliar with what we do here on this pod, I will come out. I'll try to make a pick on one side or the other. And then Matt comes in with the information and education on where the line was, where it is, and where it could be going heading into game time. We just want to be able to give you a little more oomph before you make your picks heading into kickoff each and every week. And I mentioned the record only because, you know, a lot of people 
a lot of people will ask a lot of different things about doing your own podcast and all these things, right? Like they'll ask about sponsorships. They'll ask about networks. They'll ask about all these like different things. And without me getting too deep into that, my response often is, well, that's why we win bets. That's what the money is for. <laughs> so we could talk about all these other things, which would be great, which would be cool. And I'm not mad at that. And right? have been great. And have been past, great. By the way. Of course. No, 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 no. Listen, <laughs> I, my point is overall that there's yeah. no complaints going on here, right? No. Because at the end of the day, that's what the money's for. That's what sure. the good record's for. And choose wisely would be my other <laughs> advice to people that I give a lot because there's a lot of people throwing out a lot of different things online. And that's all I'll say. Choose wisely, my friends. And when I say choose wisely, that means we are starting here on our journey into the divisional round battles. We start on Saturday. Saturday, the Jaguars at the Chiefs. Chiefs, eight and a half point favorites. And if you follow along with us here, I have a history of coming on this pod and blindly lay laying the points with the Chiefs. Just blindly saying, I'm on the Chiefs. Let's go. Let's roll. But I got to say, this feels like way too many points. I think the Chiefs are a step up in weight class for the Jags. But I also think the Jags are always good for some late TDs. No matter what's going on in the game, and I'm not even talking about just last week and the epic comeback, which I'm sure we'll get into. But I just feel like the Chiefs and Trevor Lawrence, I have them in fantasy football, and the stats end up being pretty good because he's always just hucking it late. And it's like, my dude, where was this for the first three? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. The Chiefs, though, have yeah. a tendency to gear down at certain points where, you know, they come out blazing, they come out hot, and then they kind of just chill for a minute. And it burned them last year. But at the end of the day, eight and a half points is a lot for me to lay here. And I'm going to need convincing. And it won't take a lot, but I'm going to need <laughs> convincing to lay the points with the Chiefs. But I'm going to be on the Jacksonville Jaguars plus eight and a half points. I can't say that I like it, but I just feel like it, the responsible thing would be for me to take the points here. Okay, that's interesting because I'm on the Chiefs here. And honestly, they, from a full game perspective, I agree with you a ton about the backdoor potential for the for the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Like that's they have shown they're in for 60 minutes all season long. <laughs> but if I had to say anything negative about the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point, it would be a couple of different things. One in the in the recent history, right? Watching Lawrence throw interception after interception last week against the Chargers certainly not ideal. Now you go, well, they came back and they you know hung in the game and he made all these plays, et cetera, et cetera. But if we're going to blame the Chargers and we're going to blame Brandon Staley and we're going to blame Joey Bosa and we're going to blame you know uh, mm -hmm. Joe Lombardi and all the play calling and all of that sort of stuff, which we are, by the way, we then. Are. You know what I mean? Like if we're shifting the, you know, the pie of, of blame or credit here and all of it's going to the Chargers or a ton of it is going to the Chargers, then we can't just give a bunch of it to Trevor Lawrence as well. Because my issue with him is those four interceptions. A lot of those were on him. Some of them were really good defensive plays, but some of them were really, really bad on his part as well. And it's not like the week before against Tennessee in what should have been a really relatively easy matchup from a pass defense standpoint, it's not like he was very good against Tennessee either. And mm -hmm. so you've got two primetime home games against pretty vulnerable defenses, the Chargers from a run defense standpoint, and obviously the Titans from a pass defense standpoint. And it still kind of took 
you know, in one case, a, a miracle defensive play. Miracle is probably a stretch when Joshua Dobbs is dropping back to pass. But you know what I mean? Like he needed to be <laughs> bailed out late by the defense in order to win that game because I'm not sure he was going to have a game-winning drive. And then obviously the miracle comeback against the Chargers where, you know, listen, we do an extra hour on what went wrong uh, for L.A. in that game. So now you're going to go on the road and... You know, it's Kansas City. That's a decent, you know, theoretical home field advantage, et cetera, et cetera. And in the past, we would say, yeah, but Kansas City's defense is terrible, right? Like we got, we, it was branded as all offense, you know, virtually no defense. And Patrick Mahomes and company were so good that that would just sort of mask in large part that the defense's deficiencies. And that's probably why they wouldn't cover numbers like this, mm -hmm. right? And they didn't do a ton of covering numbers like this this season. They did some covering like this because the defense improved a lot. And the thing is, you have to look at the Tyreek Hill uh, divorce, if you will. And, you know, people go, oh, like Tyreek Hill, they're not going to be as good offensively, blah, blah, blah. They weren't trying to be as good offensively necessarily, right? They knew that he, that he was going to get $100 million and they didn't have that money because they were just going to live life at a certain ceiling offensively when they needed to get better defensively. They spent two first round picks on the defense. Both of the guys, both of those guys worked out incredibly well in George Loftus and Trent McDuffie. And they added a couple other pieces uh, defensively and were able to keep all the good guys around basically when it came to their defense. And they ended up this season finishing sixth against the pass in a yards per attempt basis this year. The yeah, Chiefs. It's legit. Yeah, like, wow, right? And I talk in, in my article this week about that game, about how when McDuffie was out, there was a five or six game stretch and the, and the defense was really bad in that five game stretch. So this, the idea that they were six this year is factoring in six games where their pass defense was bad. So a full strength Chiefs defense is probably something closer to what, third, fourth, something along those lines, right? Obviously we're sort of inventing and you know numbers here, but like projecting wise, like mm -hmm. from a yards per play basis or yards per attempt basis, that would be the case. So Trevor Lawrence is going to get the sort of most difficult atmosphere, the more difficult defense than he's had in the last two weeks. And we're supposed to expect him to hang in in this game. Now from a Chiefs standpoint, when you talk about like how this has you know burned them in the past, et cetera, et cetera, where the Chiefs sort of fall apart, and fall apart is probably a bit of a stretch, but where it sort of gets dicey for them is against the good teams, right? It's against the Bucks when they can't block the Bucks in the Super Bowl. It's against the Bengals last year, right? Where the when again, this is this is that game is why they sort of changed their um, you know sort of roster configuration, right? Where they spent the different capital. But when you look at the Chiefs, who, by the way, are still, after this postseason, are still not going to have played a road playoff game in the Patrick Mahomes era, which is one of the most insane stats you're ever going to see. And who knows how long that keeps going, but it's certainly not going to end this year. When they've played their first game, sometimes that's in the division round, occasionally that's in the wild card, but their first game of their playoffs in the previous four seasons, they the total score has been 90-something to 40-something <laughs> in the first half of those games. They jump out to a start in these in these games and so what i want to do here before you necessarily switch your pick because he's got the he's got the wireless mouse out he's waving it around like the card that we're going to get him for next year i think the bet here is the first half 
Because if the Jags are going to start slow, which, by the way, this season, there's a laundry list of games where they've started slowly. Think the Raiders game, right? Kudos to them for a big comeback, but you're getting down 17-0 to the Raiders. Not ideal. Cowboys, same sort of deal. I believe it was 21-7. Handful of other games. The Titans, they were down uh, 14-7 and 10-0 in the two games that they played against the Titans. Like, this is a team that has gotten down big. The Lions, they just got straight up blown out against, but they were down 20-something points at halftime uh, against the Lions. So this is a you know Jags team who's coming off two consecutive big wins, right? We talked about the jump and hug games. Two jump and hug games. If this was in the regular season, we'd be fading the Jags, you know, in a heartbeat. And now they're going to Andy Reid off a bye, right? Oh, there's the legendary Andy Reid off of a bye. Now, again, I don't know that that necessarily means they cover eight and a half, but I think that means, you know, we talk about teams having a game script for the first 15 plays. The Chiefs might have the first three quarters of this game scripted out at this point. <laughs> this is a team that plays ring around the Rosie in week 18 because apparently they have so much free time in practice that they can just burn plays or burn time working on plays like that. I don't know that we're going to see any sort of silliness how, out there. How do you come up with that? Like, honestly, how do you come time up with Time on your and hands. Then, <laughs> and then have the audacity to, like, bring it up in a meeting and be like, all right, so this is what we're going to do. But that's the, and that's the thing we, you you know, you and I always used to talk about this, right? Like this team, because of the continuity of Reed, Mahomes, the core on the offense is that they have extra time where other teams are still trying to button up a lot of their sort of, you know, smaller pieces. The Chiefs have extra time that they can just use on stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it took a little longer for the offense to gel this season, right? Patrick Mahomes wasn't the MVP through six weeks. But he's the going away MVP through 18 weeks. Now that tells me that the different pieces, right? The rookie pieces, the Watsons, the Moors, um, adding Kadarius, Tony, and mm-hmm. all of these other guys that they have brought in, the Juju Smith-Schusters, et cetera, right? Figuring out which one of these guys should be where and how much they should play and all of that sort of thing. The running back situation. Clyde, yeah. Edward, Ed, Ed, Clyde Edwards-Alaire went like, what, first in, first in the first round of fantasy football drafts? Where's that guy at this point, right? It's like right. Isaiah Pacheco and uh, and Jarek McKinnon. And so, like, the offense has evolved throughout the season. The defense has evolved throughout the season as their rookies have gotten more comfortable. I think the Chiefs are the best team right now, certainly in the AFC. And, like, that's from watching the Bills sort of be underwhelming, you know, over and over and over. Oh, yeah. Uh, throughout, not, obviously, not just the playoffs, one game, but throughout the season. So I just look at this and I go like the Chiefs are way more two dimensional than they used to be. They have all this rest and preparation and time. And again, we've seen it time and again. And that 90 to 90 something to 40 something, the specifics are in my article. You'll have to just read it to get the exact number there. Um, But 24 of those points were from that Houston game from 2019, where they literally spotted Houston 24 points in the first half, 24 nothing, and had the lead by halftime. Yeah. So take out those, I mean, you know, don't take them out because 90 to 40 is pretty impressive in and of itself. But even, you know, take those out. We're talking about, you know, <laughs> 90 to what, do some quick math here, 17 basically yeah, yeah. in the first halves of their first playoff game. So mm-hmm. I like the first half. It's minus five in a lot of places. There's some five and a half. So I don't think that, you know, that's going to matter all that much. I think they probably have at least a touchdown lead after the first half. And honestly, if you liked Kansas City minus eight and a half, Based on what we know about Kansas City, you're expecting them to build an early lead and then kind of hang on late. And by the way, this number, these two teams have played. It was a little while ago, but these two teams played in what? I think it was week 10, something along those lines. 
And the number was 10, sort of toggled between nine and a half and 10. Mm -hmm. So I guess the Jaguars are getting credit for sort of obviously finishing off the season strong, finding their way into the playoffs. But the first half stuff for them has been really, really, you know, sort of concerning here. And so I think this is the spot where Kansas City does their blowout routine. And then we go back to, you know, worrying about Kansas City covering numbers, right? This is the, you know, we, we talk about how like there's one or two games a year that implant in our head that we have to bet Kansas City every week. And it's why they cover like 33% of the time. And this is going to be that one where we go, yeah, oh man, like Kansas City, total juggernaut, blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't think they're going to be big favorites the rest of the way. So it's not going to come into play necessarily this season. Heck, they, they might win the Super Bowl this year and then cover, you know, two out of 17 next year. I don't know. But I think this is a spot for Kansas City um, that I think people are getting a little too excited about Trevor Lawrence, given how we've seen him come out of the previous two games to start. Yeah, for our audio listeners, the pick has been changed. The Chiefs laying eight and a half points. I will be laying the points with the Kansas City Chiefs and my guy Patty Mahomes worth a half a billy. Um, yeah, that's it'll be an interesting game for sure to see how that plays out. And the way that you just laid everything out in terms of what we've seen from both of those teams throughout this season, but also the breakdown of the Chiefs defense. What? Patty Mahomes got a defense now? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. And Spags, man, Spags is going to be out here throwing shit at, at uh, Trevor Lawrence for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that part is also a huge, huge, huge thing to remember. And maybe just maybe last week I was talking about, don't be afraid of the blowout. Maybe I'll just carry that over into the first pick for this week. Yeah. And, and one last thing, you know, about the defense, right. Is, you know, you mentioned Spagnola and, and, you know, the idea of getting pressure on Trevor Lawrence, right? And, you know, we saw Joey Bosa have a meltdown last week because, and I think rightly so, as little as I want to give any credit to Joey Bosa, I think he was right. He was held on a lot of plays. Mm -hmm. And the and Cam Robinson, the left tackle for the Jaguars, uh, got hurt a couple of weeks ago. And we haven't seen that kind of be an issue in a, in a sort of mega, you know, important way for, mm -hmm. for Jacksonville, in part because they were getting away with holds on Bosa. Yeah. Last, yeah. last week yeah. and and honestly that might have been an issue for why lawrence was throwing interceptions too right some of that pre that pressure element and all of that sort of thing between carlos dunlap right another guy that they added to bolster mm -hmm. the defense and carl laftis and obviously you know i mean frank clark there is some question about whether he's going to play uh but obviously chris jones in the middle like this is a legitimate defensive line as well so you know they're not going to get be able to get away with false starts hopefully they're not going to be able to get away with holds and you're looking at a backup left tackle here against a chief's defensive line that is rebuilt healthy and pretty darn good uh, speaking of healthy as we move on to game two here of the weekend divisional round Healthy Eagles team, for the most part, we're hoping, we know we'll see Jalen Hurts at this point, but Eagles at home laying seven and a half points against the New York football Giants. I know everyone's ready to ride for the Giants, but I, we talked about this last week, right? We talked about the Giants being able to go in and give a good go and forget about give a good go. They won the game outright. But yeah. in terms of how those were just two fraudulent teams, but the Vikings were just more fraudulent. <laughs> the Giants don't lose their fraudulent tag just for beating Kirk Cousins. And I, I shouldn't even say Kirk Cousins because I don't want to blame sure. Kirk Cousins. Yeah. We're beating the Vikings. Yeah. I love what Danny Dimes has become. Think Saquon is legit, but the Vikings have zero defense. The Eagles do have a defense. And while I'm not really one to love to lay the seven and a half, I don't yeah. really love doing that at all. 
I just think the the line staying at that point because there's a lot of people on the Giants bandwagon right now, and Jalen Hurts is coming back fresh. Give me the Eagles. I will lay the seven and a half points. Okay, so the two reasons that you're right, um, <laughs> one market and one uh, non-market, are one of them that you mentioned, the non-market one, the football one, is they went from arguably the worst defense, you know, facing the worst defense in the league in the Minnesota Vikings, to facing arguably the best, right? The Vikings, I believe, third uh, worst in yards per play allowed. The Eagles, the best team in yards per play allowed. The market reason why that you might be correct in all of this is from a line perspective, Philadelphia, their one matchup that actually meant something, Philadelphia closed minus seven on the road against the Giants, and they won that game by 26 points. So, you know, we do the flip the home field advantage thing, right? And let's say two points for either side here, because I think both teams have that sort of, you know, two point home field advantage. You're talking about a line that probably should be Eagles minus 11. Okay, so you go, okay, that's okay. I'm getting line value. I'm getting, you know, like you said, people getting excited about the Giants because of last week and a massive sort of change in not just uh, opponent, but environment as well, right? Going from indoors against a bad defense to outdoors against a good defense is kind of a really rough combination if you think about that. Mm -hmm. The reason why seven and a half is inviting and, and why the line it was never going to be 11. Let's just be honest about that, right? Like it could be nine and a half and hell it might end up being nine and a half by the time game time rolls around. And my number was round nine, if, you know, from a, from a rating standpoint. But the, the reason that adjustment has happened is this isn't a situation where I'll use the Jags as an example here, I guess, but there's some other sort of better examples. This isn't a situation where a team has kind of gotten here via smoke and mirrors in order to raise their rating, like the Jags raised their rating by winning games, but they also raised their rating by kind of doing so in unsustainable fashion in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Giants, as the best team against the spread this season, have consistently outperformed the market. So the rating for that game, even if they lost, even as they lost that game by 26 points against Philadelphia the first time around was probably too low then because it was probably too low all season long. I'd love yeah. to go back to before the season started and tell you like, hey, let's just bet the Giants every game because I think they're going to be better than most think. And we would have ended up finishing what 12 and 12, four and one, something along those lines. But, you know, we didn't. Nobody did. Right. And so the thing is like, yeah, the Giants rating keeps getting boosted, but it's for a reason. It keeps getting boosted because they keep covering because it was never correct in the first place. I mm -hmm. think about the, you know, it's a weird sort of thing to think about. I don't know if you remember the Giants visit to the Jags this year. And remember they were like seven and two or something like that. And, and the Jags were favored by three points and the yeah. Jags were like two and six or two and seven or something. And everybody's like, how, how can the Jags be, you know, three point favorites in this game? Well, the Jags are now a playoff team. And now it sort of feels like if they played tomorrow, the Jags would probably be about three point favorites. Right. Mm -hmm. But you probably like the Giants in that game in the same way that people like the Giants in that week, you know, six, seven, eight game, whatever that was. So the point is, is like if they keep covering this games, these numbers were never correct in the first place. So I can see why in this situation that they would be just quote unquote seven and a half point favorites. 
Now, if you go back to that first game, Saquon Barkley only played 20 snaps. Yeah. And there were some really weird plays. There was a fourth and seven by the Eagles. That was an easy knockdown uh, pass defense play where uh, Julian Love, the safety for the Giants, just blew right by the ball and just missed it. And they ended up, and the Eagles scored like a 40, I think 41, 43 yard touchdown on that play. That went, they went up 14 nothing there. The Giants got the ball back. They punted. The punter botched, you know, the, the snap was all botched. And the, Eagles got a 30-yard, you know, one-play touchdown drive to make it 21 nothing, basically in the first quarter, or at least early in the second quarter, three drives in. Not a spot where the Giants want to be, mm-hmm. right? You don't want, the Giants do not want to be down 21 to nothing. And yeah. it kind of got there in a weird way, because if Love just knocks that ball down, the Giants are down 7 nothing with the ball at their own, like, 43-yard line. That's a pretty decent spot for the rest of that, to see how the rest of that game went. Now, again, without a healthy sort of, I think he was sick or something that week, Saquon Barkley, where he only plays 20 snaps, the Giants were always going to be in trouble in that game. So I think the Eagles scoring 48 points in that game is sort of really sort of a cosmetic number. I don't think they're going to score anywhere near that in this game. But the problem is, I'm not sure the Giants are going to be able to score against this Eagles defense either. You add into the mix a Jalen Hurts, you know, back from the shoulder. They played their full complement of guys in that Week 18 game. So while that Week 18 game, you throw that out because you had, you know, random quarterback, random running back, random wide receivers for the Giants. So from an offense, Giants offense, Philly defense standpoint, that didn't really mean anything to me. But it kind of meant something to me that the Eagles had trouble against a lot of backups, by the way, from the on the Giants' defense. And so if I had to bet this game, I think I'm taking the Giants plus 7.5 because i rather be on the side of the underdog who's been go- kind of going above and beyond all season. And that hasn't been the case for the Jags, but it has been the case for the Giants. But what I'm more interested in is this total. And I know that's a little bit scary. Everybody hears me say totals and they should run for the hills. 48 and a half for two teams that I'm not so sure are going to be able to move the ball as well as people think. Because a lot of the Eagles scoring this year has been on big plays. Let's throw it deep to A.J. Brown. Let's pick on a cornerback uh, on the other team that, you know, maybe a starting cornerback is out. We can pick on that guy. Or Jalen Hurts running around and Miles Sanders running around. Another name to mention, Leonard Williams didn't play in that week 14 game. Obviously didn't play in the Week 18 game because nobody played in the Week 18 game of any significance for the Giants. But that's a pretty big body in the middle. Mm -hmm. And the Eagles had 250 yards rushing in Week 14. Yeah. I like their chances a lot better at stopping the run when Leonard Williams is in there. When Jalen Hurts might not be so apt to take off. They might save him for short yardage plays. Are they going to do the fourth down, you know, fourth and one uh Everybody pile into Jalen Hurts quarterback sneak with a guy who has a shoulder injury to, you know, an injury to his throwing shoulder. You know, I I think there's some advantages there that the Eagles had in the first game that they're not going to have in this game. But I think overall it leads itself to something closer to like a 21-14, 24-17 type of game. And I think the market is looking for something like 28-20, even 28-20 would stay under 48 and a half. I kind of mm-hmm. feel like 28 seems high for the Eagles and 20 even feels high for the Giants. So with both teams sort of, you know, that projection feeling higher than I think it should be, I have to take the under here at 48 and a half. Okay. Okay. A little extra, extra juice here for the listeners with something added bonus here. We'll call it with the little over under here. We'll keep things moving though with the Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. 
Bengals are five and a half point dogs in Buffalo. Five and a half points. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like it's primed in the Vegas zone. <laughs> I would normally love to just blindly hop on the Bengals, right? But I will say that the thing that has me worried is their O-line. An O-line that they, you know, tried from the beginning of the season to just, you know, just build up and have a brand new O-line to protect Joe Burr. And we've seen that O-line just get beaten up in terms of injuries. And now we're here in the playoffs and we're worried about, can this O-line survive? Do they have enough health to make it through? On the flip side, Buffalo Bills. The Bills looked shaky last week. Josh Allen looked shaky last week. I mean, is that the wake-up call, the scare from Skylar Thompson and company that the Bills need to kind of wake up and remember that everyone was running away telling us that they are the favorites to win the Super Bowl? Because that did not look like that team last week against the Dolphins team and their third-string quarterback. I just can't lay either way. I can't lay five-and-a-half points with that Buffalo Bills team. And I know that it's a different week, it's a different game, and all that fun stuff. But I can't lay five-and-a-half points against Joe Burrow in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just not going to be there laying five-and-a-half points against Joe Burrow. Give me the plus five-and-a-half. I, I just... Joe Burrow and what he's been able to show us what he can do even last year in the playoffs without an O-line <laughs> and mm -hmm. he led the team to the Super Bowl. And now you're telling me at least he has fragments of an O-line <laughs> and there's a chance that their, their guys might play. And I'm getting five and a half points against that Buffalo Bills team and Josh Allen, who is how many, what's the number? Is it at 30 interceptions and fumbles combined this season? Something oh, like that, right? Like it's an possible, insane yeah. number. But either way, <laughs> yeah. turnovers in the playoffs, it didn't burn you against Skylar Thompson, but it will burn you against Joe Burrow. I will be taking plus five and a half points with the Cincinnati Bengals. Sorry for rambling, but I'm just hype right now with my no, guy Joe that's, Burrow. That's great because you hit all the important points, right? Because like we were talking about offensive line injuries when it was you know just the right tackle going into the first time these two teams are supposed to meet, mm -hmm. right? three three weeks ago right into you know, obviously week 17 monday night football and so i think that's where we have to start here with the point spread because a lot of people will look at this and be like that's too many points that's a lot of points blah 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 right and i think that's the important thing to start with because you have to remember that monday night football game now we don't know what happened and again thank god you know hamlin's okay but it would have been really cool to see what would have happened in that game because that was you know again that you know we talk about how sort of weird it was that that Thing, that medical situation could have happened to anybody mm -hmm. feels like could have happened at any time and in any game and it just happened to happen in this game that was kind of you know the centerpiece of the entire regular season from a playoff seating standpoint and was almost definitely i mean it got a little dicey there for honestly both teams last week but was almost definitely going to be a matchup in the playoffs because we don't get we didn't get to see what happened, we don't get to change our ratings too drastically off of a game that closed two and a half for the mm -hmm. Bills on the road against the Bengals. So when this game this week opened three and a half at yeah. home for mm -hmm. the Bills, you can see how betters, Sean's with a lot of money, yep. saw that and were like a one-point change for location from Cincinnati to Buffalo. No, and this has to be at least three, maybe, you know, if we gave, we just gave a theoretical four point flip for Philadelphia and New York. It's mm -hmm. gotta be a four point flip for this game and a four point flip from two and a half gets you to six and a half. 
Now, the reason this isn't six and a half is because of the respect of Joe Burrow and the fact that when betters go in on it at minus three and a half and then it gets to and touches six, they're immediately mm. going to bet back the other way yeah. and, tr and try to catch a middle because six is a key number, right? You at least push or theoretically at least push once you get to overtime. Now, obviously, playoff rules are different and things yep. get mega weird in the playoffs and we got two-point conversions in the in play all of a sudden. So everybody be careful out there on that. Not that you can sort of plan for that, unfortunately. But that's why this number is never going to get to sort of six and a half. And if it does, I think it's really telling. Honestly, I think it's really telling that it got from minus three and a half to minus five and a half so quickly. Now, I I froze in this game. I, I didn't hit it at minus three and a half. I was like, well, maybe because people love the Bengals so much, somebody's going to jump in at plus three and a half and we'll be able to get a minus three. Maybe a different book that opened a little bit slower would start at minus three or something along those lines. So I missed it. So the problem is I have a real, as you know, I have a real issue with betting a line that I am not getting the value on. Value was three and a half with the bills. Value is no longer five and a half with the bills, mm -hmm. but it's not with the Bengals either. So this line is getting, you know, is pretty appropriate, right? I think six is probably the fair number. So I guess in theory, there's maybe some, a tiny bit of value left with the bills. So I have to come up with a bet for this game. Now I haven't wrote, wrote, uh, written my, um, a preview article excuse me for mm -hmm. this game it's thursday morning as we speak and so i've only gotten through saturday's games so i'm sitting here on like what side am i going to go on because i don't want to be the guy who waits and sees it and gets this at six and bets the Bengals at six and is feeling pretty good about like okay i got the best of the number with the Bengals, and then watches the bills win by 14 points because the Bengals can't move the ball on offense which by the way they didn't really move the ball all that well last week it's against true. the ravens right? Like we don't have to get into sort of what a fluky win that is, but I'm sorry if there's a fumble on a quarterback sneak at the one yard line that mm -hmm. immediately goes 98 yards the other way because the ball landed in the hands of sort of the last man or the guy, you know, the guy who was sort of closest to the end zone, if you will, uh, 98 yards away. I, I just kind of have a problem thinking that the, that the Bengals, when we know that the offensive line is compromised, we mm -hmm. know that they hadn't been able to run the football really all season long by and large anyway. I just don't know where the scoring is going to come from the Bengals. But the problem is, and the reason I hopped in live against the Dolphins or on the Dolphins last week is because I don't have all that much respect for the Bills defense right now. And so I go, I've been sitting here waiting for an opportunity to fade the Bills because of their defense. And it took me one drive on, ironically, a touchdown drive for the Bills for me to hop in at plus 17 and a half on the, on the Dolphins last week. Because I'm like, yeah, I just give me enough points here because I think that the Bills are capable of honestly being underwhelming, which we've seen mm -hmm. all season long, like you mentioned. Right? And that's why your points are so valid, right? Because, yeah, like I don't really want to lay this many points with the Bills either. So I'm sitting here going, like, is there a team total? Something along those lines. So I'm going to do a little more research later today into a team total and that kind yeah. of thing. So I can't talk you out of the Bengals necessarily, but I think it's just a, you know, be forewarned. Like, and I'm not referencing you by any stretch of the imagination. We're going to get to the next game and why I think you're like on top of this beyond the fact that you're getting 66% or you know, 63% of your picks this season or whatever it is. Um, I just, every, every person who I don't think really understands how this works has been on the Bengals in media because they think it's too many points. And it yeah. just needs to be mentioned that it's not too many points. It's probably a fair number now that's been appropriately bet into place because it's the NFL playoffs.
Yeah. And the line gets bet into place pretty quick. And if you're not on top of any sort of mistake and bills minus three and a half was a mistake. And if you're not on top of that, like on Sunday night at like midnight, when this stuff like opens up, you're going to miss out on the best of the number. So fundamentally that's the lesson in all of this, which doesn't really help anybody necessarily just yet when it comes to bets on this game, but don't worry, we'll have a bet on this game. We will have props on this game. You're just going to have to wait to read on, read about it over at the score. I think too, for me, I, I think one of the things is I can see the Bengals winning this game, right? So of course I'm going to take the five and a half points. And that's, that's one of the things where like, I understand those are two different things in two different conversations. And I, I get, I totally understand that side of it. Right? I'll, say, I'll say this. And I think if, so I think a bet on the Bengals on the point spread or just period is a bet on the idea that Burrow overcomes the, the, pass protection and offensive line issues of which there are honestly almost has to be some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if he does, then yeah, plus 200 plus two something. I haven't, don't have it in front of me on the money line. Mm -hmm. I think honestly becomes the better bet yeah, because yeah. it's no, kind of unlike any other game in this, it kind of becomes a yes or no, really very specific yes or no issue. And yeah. is that, you know, is the Bengals offensive line a catastrophe? And the answer, if the answer is no, then the Bengals money line is actually, you know, probably a better bet. If the answer is yes, then it's going to be hard for the Bengals to keep this game close anyway, because I don't really think the defense is going to do all that much, right? They got outgained. And that's the thing, like fundamentally, if this is week 18, honestly, if this is week 14, I would be, I mean, I certainly would like the, the Bengals plus five and a half or, you know, six points, but too much stuff has happened with regards to those injuries that make yeah. me sort of want to bet on the Bengals, but mm -hmm. everybody knows those things. And it's why the number is as high as it is, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, is it going to be a catastrophe? If it is, it's probably bills by two touchdowns. And if it's not, then you're probably right down to the final drive. And when it comes to money lines or anytime touchdowns, it's not about whether they win or they lose. And that's hopefully what we've sort of understood from the round Robin money line parlay and, you know, listen, it's a weird lesson when every all of them actually score last week or almost all of them actually score last week from a touchdown standpoint. But when you're watching the game, do you feel good about the bet that you've made, even if it hasn't necessarily won, right? I bet Matt Breida to score a touchdown last week. Matt Breida had 21 snaps. He was plus 500 to score a touchdown. And he got and he was the focal point of a trick play that the that the Giants and Daniel Jones ran near the end zone where they tried their like fake to Barkley statue of Liberty behind the back play. Mm -hmm. That's all I can ask from a plus 500. Right. Totally. And in a plus, you know, two something money line for the Bengals. If all you're asking theoretically is, can this offensive line hold up? Can the offensive scheme and Joe Burrow make up for the offensive line deficiencies? If you're watching the game and the answer is yes, halfway through the game, you're going to feel pretty good about that money line bet. Even if it doesn't necessarily win. Hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. You know what I also like, though? My San Francisco 49ers closing out the weekend. Niners, four-point favorites at home to the Dallas Cowboys. Brock Purdy, you know, showing that he will I, – I doubt this, and I shouldn't be, like, this confident in saying this, but I don't think he'll be the reason that the San Francisco 49ers don't continue on in the playoffs. This is a step up in weight class. Obviously, the Cowboys defense is a lot better than the Seahawks defense. I understand all that. But the positions that Kyle Shanahan is putting him in, I just think Brock Purdy is 
showing us that he is capable of just not bleeping this up with all the skill, the skilled players that they, that he has around him, mm-hmm. just don't mess this up. And he's doing a good job. And, and I, I almost feel like that's a slap in the face because he's doing a little bit more. I feel mm-hmm. like Jimmy Garoppolo was like, quote unquote, just don't mess this up. Mm-hmm. Where Brock Purdy, there's a little more to his game than that. But either way, Niners, the thing that worries me a little bit as I see this line at four points is the Niners schedule. I, I've been saying this for the whole year. They haven't really played anyone, which isn't their fault, but they've also dummied the teams that have been in front of them, right? So like yeah. a lot of times when we look at schedule and we talk about schedules being weak, cool, but they gave those teams the business. Mm-hmm. The one thing, the one weakness with the Niners, secondary. The Cowboys have the weapons to take advantage of that, to exploit that. Right. But I trust that Niners D-line, baby, to get home. <laughs> and much like Josh Allen being shaky with all the turnovers, when you look at the top of that list of quarterback turnovers, who's right beside him? Your friend and mine. <laughs> your man's Dakota. Uh-huh. Give me the Niners. Right? Give me the Niners. I will lay the points because I'm trusting in D'Amico Ryan's scheming up, confusing Dak, and having him return to the turnover machine we've all come to love. Niners laying the four points at home. Let's roll. So I alluded to it before. There's a lot to talk about this game. But I, I alluded to it before where, you know, you sent me a text. We were talking uh, via text earlier this week. And just that kind of out of nowhere, and I admit not out of nowhere, they're you know, the 49ers <laughs> are your favorite team. Um, so, like, they would be top of mind. But at four points, you were like, am I crazy or is this line too high? He's switching hats. He's going to the Niners hat. Uh, you're like, am I crazy or is this line too high? And I wrote back. It's like, yeah, it's kind of high. And then we saw it move, like, within hours to three and a half. Mm-hmm. And so you have it up at, at four, and I think there's some places I suppose it's that still have it at four, but it's pretty much three and a half now, which is an indication that like maybe it's just because it's your team, or maybe I'm rubbing off on you, or maybe you just know what you're doing in the first place. But like you're on to on to stuff when it comes to like, is this line a little bit too high? But I see that you're on your 49ers anyway, so that's not necessarily stopping you from laying it <laughs> with San Francisco. I kind of thought you were gonna be on the Cowboys plus uh plus four. Now I look at it and I go, okay, man, like I have this market rating at like two, but part of that is because the Cowboys have gotten so much credit in the marketplace and their rating was pretty similar to the 49ers for basically the last half of the season. Mm-hmm. They had some 49ers wobble because of, you know, some uncertainty about Brock Purdy. And that's where you make the good point about the opponent. And the thing that we do in the media is like, we're so lazy, right? Like Brock Purdy, never heard of him, even though I played four years in college. But Brock Purdy, never heard of him, has to be terrible because he's the third stringer. Like, you know, as if any of these coaches, you know, have never made any mistakes in uh, player evaluation. And by the way, what was the, what was the other option, right? Like Trey Lance is, you know, Trey Lance is obviously going to be the starter given what they in, invested there. Jimmy G was always going to have to be, you know, sort of a backup plan there because even though we might think Brock Purdy's pretty good, like you still can't rely on a sixth or seventh round pick or whatever, right? So yeah, of course he was always going to be the third string quarterback. But we get so lazy and we go, well, there's got to be a Brock Purdy like blow up game. He's got to crash down to earth here at some point. He can't keep doing this. But when the opponent is Seattle twice and <laughs> Washington and Arizona and, you know, and so on and so and the Raiders, right? Like, no, he doesn't have to blow up. 
he doesn't have to screw things up. Here's the thing. We're getting into like serious time here. The Cowboys. Big boy time. Big boy time. The Cowboys are a team. The Eagles, theoretically, next week are a team. Whomever they face in the Super Bowl, which right now, you know, if, you, if I had to guess, was going to be either Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati. And if it's Cincinnati, it made, they made it through a pretty good gauntlet with that offensive line issue. And if it's those other teams, like, I don't think San Francisco is going to be favored in those games. But who knows? Because all of a sudden, San Francisco's rating has shot through the Cowboys, right? Has gone past, Ooh. not just sort of dead even with the Cowboys, but has gotten through. And so I look at this number at four and I go, okay, well, we had the 49ers at like 66, 68, kind of all season long. And now they're up to like a 74, 75, like literally rated next to Kansas City and Buffalo as mm -hmm. a top team in the league. Now we can sit here and be like, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. But like you mentioned, it's built off of these dominations of these teams. And so I can't necessarily disagree with it because when I go back and I sort of go, okay, if this number's four, you know, we use previous point spreads to determine what this week's point spread is going to be. Mm -hmm. But how about let's take this week's point spread and determine what the previous week's point spreads are supposed to be. So if we do that and we go back to last week and that number was what, nine, nine, you know, I think it pretty much stuck around nine last week against Seattle. Yeah. Well, with this point spread, that number should have been 11. You go, okay. okay, though. They won that game. They covered 11. Like, hard to argue. What about week 18? Well, number should have been 15 against Arizona. And they covered that, too. <laughs> okay. So maybe, you know, they would have been able to get away with 15. Mm -hmm. Previous week, Las Vegas. Number was 10. That was the spread. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they didn't cover it, but, like, that was the number. The now, number was accurate. Yeah. That number was accurate. Now, it had more to do with the Raiders being downgraded that week, but that was still the closing line in that game. Let's go one more. Washington. That number was seven. With this point spread, that would suggest that the number should have been nine. Hard to argue. 49, you know what I mean? So they keep covering the new rating, say, you know, new rating, mm -hmm. same as the old rating, right? They kept covering these numbers. Same thing, San Francisco and Seattle on the road. This number would be seven and a half. They just barely covered that number. Right? I think that game was nine, eight, something along those lines, right? So, like, if you had used the rating that they're at now in those previous games, they would have covered all those numbers anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's not like this rating now has them overrated. So that's where I'm kind of stuck here. Now, the problem is because the matchup is so different, that's where I go, if, 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 Bur if Purdy turned the ball over three times, because Micah Parsons was out there causing a disturbance and he mm -hmm. wasn't able to scramble. And by the way, if I at home know exactly what Brock Purdy is going to do when he scrambles towards the, uh, you know, towards out of bounds, stops one yard short of out of bounds, and then just kind of throws one, you know, maybe at somebody, maybe not at somebody, the Cowboys probably know that too, right? So like, this is where you get the idea of tape on a guy. He wants to scramble left. He wants to scramble right instead of scrambling forward. You don't see a lot of scrambling for yardage for Purdy. You see a lot of scrambling sideways. Mm -hmm. So if I know that, the Cowboys probably know that. And they have sideline to sideline speed on defense. Yeah, oh, not yeah. just Par Parsons, but some of those other guys as well. And so I just look at this and I go, and part of this is, and listen, I'm a for, I'm on the 49ers as, as a concept. I have 49ers plus 550 to win the NFC from like 
way early on in the season, a number that is long, long, long gone and has been long gone for a long time. I want the 49ers to win this game. And maybe it's because we're now at a point where I think the 49ers theoretically could lose the game. I start getting a little worried about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I think the point is, is I think both teams are going to be able to score on the other team's defense. And I think the other team's defense is capable of turning over the other team. And so it's not just going to be Dak, theoretically, that could have some turnovers here. I think it could be Purdy as well. And while both teams' defense is theoretically good, part of what makes them good is that they turn the other team over. So I think they're that, again, differ from the point spread here because I think the point spread has sort of been worked into place correctly, even though it sort of looked like it was a little too big. And if I had to, I would probably take the Cowboys. I think there's going to be scoring in this game. I think the Cowboys can score on the 49ers. And maybe that means that he tur- that Dak Prescott throws a pick six and we get seven points going the other way. I think that the Cowboys, given the fact that Seattle was able to move the ball and that the Cowboys have a wide receiver who can match up against Charvarius Ward, who had absolutely nothing for DK Metcalf in that game. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they had... a. I mean, not a ton of guys have anything for DK Metcalf, per, you know, per se. But imagine like that the Seahawks didn't have DK Metcalf to throw over and over and over and over on Charvarius Ward. The 49ers would won that game by 50 points. Mm-hmm. Whether it's C.D. Lamb or Michael Gallup or hell, T.Y. Hilton occasionally, right? <laughs> like there's enough kind of weapons there that I think yeah. the Cowboys move the ball as well. So I think there's going to be back and forth. I think there's going to be some turnovers in this game. And the total for this game is lower than the Eagles-Giants game, mm. which I don't really sort of see. Like we talked about a 28-20 game as being kind of the max for that Giants-Eagles game. Isn't 28-20 kind of like the starting point for Cowboys 49ers or 24-24 if you want to say it that way? I just think these two offenses are too good that like there's just kind of can't go under here. I mean, obviously it can go under and, you know, listen, it's me in a total, so it probably will go under. But I think the number here, what, 46 and a half? I think that I think that's an over in this game. And I'm always, you know, sort of trepidatious when it comes to totals because we get such bad luck. I mean, listen, I had the under in Jags Chargers last week. And if Trevor Lawrence, I mean, you know, think about it at home, right? If if Trevor Lawrence doesn't throw four interceptions in the first half, what's the score at halftime? It's probably like 10 to three. Like mm-hmm. neither team was moving the ball on offense. So like, yeah, we've, we've suffered some bad beats and some unfortunate circumstances. I think whether the other, either uh, quarterback turns the ball over or not. I think this is a high-scoring game. I think this is that dramatic game that comes down to the late field goal. If it's a Cowboys field goal, it's going to be wildly interesting to see who and or if Brett Maher can actually make that kick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to lay the 49ers here, but I already am invested in the 49ers, so I kind of don't have to make a point spread bet. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's Cowboys or nothing because I think this game is just going to be that type of game. Uh, but mm-hmm. I also think it's going to be a high scoring game. Yeah, it'll be a great game for sure. And two like classic NFL teams, like this goes back to my childhood Niners, Cowboys Absolutely. in the playoffs. I love everything about this. Cannot wait until this game on Sunday. But before we get to that game, there's so much more time for things and angles and thoughts and and bets and picks to be made. Where can the people find you to get more of the information that you so crave to give out to the masses, my friend? Yeah, at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. Obviously, we're living and dying with various things, especially in the playoffs, and then we'll eventually get to 
you know, March Madness and that sort of thing, right? As as we say, celebrating and commiserating. So celebrating, uh, let's see if I can remember the four guys. Elijah Mitchell, uh, Evan Ingram last week, uh, Isaiah Hodgins. That was probably my favorite one. Uh, I'm missing one. Oh, our boy Dawson Knox, who always comes through with us. Celebrating all of those for commiserating over not getting a touchdown with Chris Godwin. I will say, you know, we make, you know, I think end up being something close to, you know, Obviously, you have to kind of mess around with the math here from an odds perspective. But I think that ended up cashing about 18 to 1, the round robin touchdown parlay. So a lot of people have a little extra money that they're playing with. And I think it's worth kind of mentioning here before we go, sort of some bankroll management concepts here, right? And the idea is over a long term, right, to slowly build your bankroll. The idea is, okay, on, on point spread or minus 110 uh, betting things, um, props, sides, totals, whatever, you know, let's, let's get on a 55, 56% clip and every hundred bets, we're going to end up making, you know, five, five and a half units, maybe six units for every hundred bets that we make. And then over the course of the year, right, we're growing the bankroll. When you have kind of a big hit, like we did last week, there's a tendency to trick yourself into thinking that you're a better, better than you are. Like you, you might you might just be clipping along at 50, 51% and then just caught a nice win on kind of a thing that isn't re, you know really sustainable. And mm-hmm. the whole point of whether it's the anytime touchdown round robin parlay or the money line parlay is that it's supposed to be one bet out of the course of you know on a wild card weekend. You know we got two props per game and a and a side or a total in the game, right? It's, you're probably going to have 10, 15 bets over the course of that weekend. So one bet, winning or losing, isn't going to make that big of a difference. But it's a bet that could win you, you know, like you said, 18 units. Could win you 60 units if we get a if we get a Godwin touchdown. Mm-hmm. So the point is, don't start getting loose because you hit one big bet thinking that you had built your bankroll on an accumulation. Save that, you know, that accumulation concept, you know, and maybe just take that money out. Like if you hit that one big bet, you know, maybe you're a $10 better and you hit the big bet for 18 to one, you've got an extra 180 bucks in your account. Maybe just take that out. And I if you did. Can, I did. <laughs> and if you can, if you can manage it responsibly and stick to your units and all of that sort of thing, yeah, that extra 180 is going to act like 18 extra bets right? 18 extra $10 bets or whatever. I'm obviously using that as an example, but like, don't trick yourself into thinking that all of a sudden you need to now be betting 20 bucks a game, 30 bucks a game. If you've been betting 10 bucks a game up until that point, right? Yeah. Obviously everything is different from everybody else, but like, just don't lose your head out there because we got frankly a little bit lucky. Now, all of these bets are good bets. And so, you know, somebody wrote to me this week. He's like, how are you going to, how are you going to follow up last weekend? I just said to him the same thing we do every weekend, right? And the same, same thing we try to do every night, pinky, try to take over the world. We're going to just make good bets. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're going to work out and sometimes they're not. And sometimes they're going to be Matt Breida getting a goal line carry on a trick play and not working. And sometimes they're going to be Dawson Knox, like catching a ball and somehow getting his knee in bounds before he goes out of bounds. You know, and he almost scored another touchdown, but he, you know, quote unquote, dropped the ball on review. Right. So like, who knows, man, all of this stuff is coin flippy type stuff. So be yeah. responsible about it. Don't increase your betting units, increase your betting units after a year when you have been clicking along and tracking your bets and you've been clicking along at 55, 56% and you have shown long-term profitability, don't increase your bets just because we caught a nice winner on wildcard weekend. Yeah. And I feel like people got to realize to do what works for you best. Right. And so for me, the funny thing was like that hit 
you know, we talked about that, like what hit there and the four uh, teams and cashing out early and all that fun stuff. But that was in the middle of a bunch of other just random bets that were made over the weekend that I was like, you know what? I don't know if I should have really been playing around with this Lakers minus five and a half in-game bet that I made with three minutes left against the Rockets. And now I'm rooting for Russell Westbrook to hit free throws down the stretch. (laughs) I'm going to consider myself lucky here (laughs) that that heat check went in (laughs) and cash out some of this money here before you get a little too loose. And it's, it's just such great advice in terms of understanding yourself, understanding that like, A lot of it is coin flipping, but also at the same time, when you hit, just understand that that's just a hit. It's just one, you know, and understand you're going to have the bad beat going the other way. (laughs) Right. So I tweeted like on that Knox touchdown that was reversed. I'm like, if he hadn't had the first touchdown, Mm -hmm. like how annoying would that reversal have been? Like, I was like, I don't care if he caught this ball or not. Right. 21, Mm -hmm. nothing, 17, nothing. Doesn't really make a difference. Honestly, it made a difference to me because I had dolphins plus 17. (laughs) But uh, as far as the dots, but that's further to the point, right? (laughs) But yeah, honestly, but it's like, imagine if he had been out of bounds on the first one and then it dropped the second one. Like that's how close it is to not, you know, being able to kind of cash that, cash that out. So just understand that like, is it you? Is it the guy that you followed? Is it just us getting lucky together? And like, let's just be responsible about it. And so when you can withdraw some money that, you know, isn't insignificant, again, depends obviously on your unit size and all that sort of yeah. thing. But that's why I say like, consider it 18 bets. Yeah. Now, if those 18 bets can stay in your account and you can treat them like 18 bets, that's great. But if you're going to treat those 18 bets like nine bets or like four bets, like that's not really being responsible with your money. That's what I'm saying. Putting it on the Lakers minus five and a half with three minutes left against the Rockets. No, but I say all that. I'm like half joking, obviously. But the reality is know your numbers, know what you're comfortable with, play within your limits, all that other fun stuff that people just say. And it's and it's just trivial thrown out there randomly. But like the actual fact of the matter is understand your numbers. Most important lesson that I've got from doing this with your friend and mine, Mr. Matt Russell. So make sure that you follow along as well at MRUS Authentic and everything he writes at the score because that will give you even more information and education that we all crave here to make our bets better week in and week out. And for me, my name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On Blast.